Hi, everyone. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media, and welcome to Weed Talk News. Our top story this week is an unfortunate one, as WNBA star Brittany Griner has been sentenced by a Russian court to nine years of jail time and a huge fine on top of that for a charge of drug smuggling. Griner was arrested with less than one gram of cannabis oil in her luggage at a Moscow airport back in February. And U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has condemned the sentencing and Griner's defense team has assured they'll appeal. President Biden saying today, American citizen Brittany Griner received a prison sentence that is one more reminder of what the world already knew. Russia is wrongfully detaining Brittany Griner. It's unacceptable. And I'll call on Russia to release her immediately so she can be with her wife, loved ones, friends, and teammates. My administration will continue to work tirelessly and pursue every possible avenue to bring Brittany and Paul Whelan home safely as soon as possible. And of course, we'll be waiting to watch how those negotiations to get her home ultimately follow after today's sentence. Ironic timing for a Griner sentencing as another basketball star finds themselves in trouble stateside. A police report out of Texas shows former NBA player Iman Shumpert was arrested at the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport last weekend for allegedly trying to bring six ounces of cannabis through security. Shumpert was arrested for felony possession of marijuana and taken to the airport jail, but no word yet on what further consequences he will face. And meanwhile, at the White House, President Biden is receiving some criticism over some family affairs. Melissa Cohen, who is married to Hunter Biden, was recently spotted dropping by a cannabis dispensary in Malibu after running errands with a Secret Service agent in tow. These images have caused many to throw up their arms, saying the president should do something about people who are incarcerated for cannabis since his own daughter-in-law is apparently enjoying the fruits of the legal industry. But some criticize that stance, saying that the individual president can't be held responsible for something that Congress needs to step in and do, just because his own family is using cannabis too. An interesting position for the Biden family, and hopefully the conversation about cannabis at the White House only continues. So now let's kick off our state-to-state -state roundup with Josh Kincaid in Washington State, where regulators there are now looking to update social equity rules in the industry. I'm Josh Kincaid from The Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for We Talk News. There's six key metrics that'll provide you with a pulse check on the Washington regulated cannabis market. By comparing retail sales across today's regulated cannabis markets, we can better understand which types of products consumers are buying in Washington. Monthly sales, for example, have consistently dropped between 7 to 14% each month year to date. Washington had 106 million in total cannabis sales last month, although having been declining monthly since August 2021, the Washington market remains resilient with approximately 3.3 million transactions average per month and an average spending per store visit at over $32, with consumers having the choice of nearly 1,750 products or SKUs to choose from. And maybe in Washington, there's too many choices. And that's how a $20 eighth of cheetah piss recently became the eighth best-selling cannabis flower in Washington. I don't know. But next week, you're going to find out more about Washington State's cannabis scene. But with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State cannabis report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Heads reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. A group of lawmakers in New Jersey are riding high on the coattails of some recent cannabis research. 
According to the study conducted by the Lancet Psychiatry, researchers found people with cannabis-related psychosis are much more likely to have been using products containing high levels of THC with an increased likelihood of addiction. Because cannabis in New Jersey is legal, legislators from the state's 10th district claim minors now have easier access to a, quote, harmful substance, and that there will be greater need for law enforcement. All of this while neglecting to note that studying cannabis is still illegal under Schedule 1, and we haven't seen any other studies to back this up yet. Now, here's Jill Goldsbury with more from New Jersey this week. Hi guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Jill Goldsbury with the news in New Jersey. Well, New Jersey is getting its 18th recreational dispensary shop this weekend. Murano Zen Leaf in Neptune Township has opened up officially on Route 66 this Friday and will become, like I said, New Jersey's 18th store offering adult legalized marijuana. The store will offer free food and giveaways and free gifts to customers during the ribbon cutting ceremony, which happened this morning at 7.30 a.m. And in other news, it seems that our garden state is adding another layer of difficulty for cannabis entrepreneurs starting a business, especially, particularly for minority business owners, this hurts most. It's been over a year now since the state has legalized the plant and a few months, just a few months since it's been legally legally uh, legal for recreational use. Observers are saying of the 300 plus licenses awarded so far, as many as 50% have had to give up their licenses because commercial landlords are charging upwards of $10,000 for spaces that normally would cost a few thousand dollars. So securing a space is the next step once you get a license. And if you don't have the license, you're paying, if you don't have a license, you may have to give up if you have a license and you don't have a secured space, you may have to give up your license. According to a report on Fox News, Blaze Law Firm's attorney Chirali Patel stated that real estate properties are asking a minimum of 10K and above for the same property. And once they once they hear, it's a cannabis business. So according to the CRC, this is something that will be looked into. And now that we're talking a minimum of $10,000 above the same property because as soon as the landlord hears it's cannabis, that's the problem. Another state looking to jump on the growing trend of adult use cannabis is Pennsylvania. In fact, lawmakers there have finally introduced a bill proposing adult use sales in the state. Claudia Post takes a closer look in this week's Pennsylvania report. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express and I'm here in the Keystone State Pennsylvania reporting for We Talk News. First up, the Lachlan Street Bipartisan Adult Use Marijuana Legislation Bill prioritizes safety, social, and economic equity and engages Pennsylvania's agricultural industry. Hallelujah, everybody. Great news. We have an adult use bill here in Pennsylvania. So that's what the bill is going to talk to, speak to, and this is monumental for Pennsylvania because, as you know, we're surrounded by everybody else who's got adult use, and people can just zip over and get their goodies in a different state, and we're losing tax revenue. So this proposal ensures the vitality of Pennsylvania's world-class medical marijuana industry 
I don't know, that's a stretch, while creating thousands of jobs and generating hundreds of millions of dollars in new tax revenue for the Commonwealth. What are we waiting for in Pennsylvania? Now, this is an absolutely absurd piece of information, but I'm going to share it with you. Medical experts. Now, I'm not sure who these medical experts are. The Pennsylvania's homegrown marijuana bill is the most unscientific and irresponsible piece of legislation they have ever seen. The bill allows any medical patient with 30 days of residency in Pennsylvania to grow up to six cannabis plants for personal use. Now, is that what everybody else is doing? I don't know about the 30 days residency, but I do know that many states have homegrown and it is an issue, and I don't know why they're stopping it, but as usual, it's Pennsylvania. They favor the decriminalization, thought that was tough to say, of marijuana and the use of medical marijuana, but residential marijuana growth and increased marijuana availability will bring trouble to the governments because they can't control it. Six plants, people. What's that? This is a sad story. Mark Google, a Pennsylvania school teacher, was sentenced to 14 years in Russia, from Russia's prisons, for having medical marijuana in his luggage. And the, uh, the uh, other woman who, uh, I forgot her name right away, but she also got sentenced today, nine years. She got nine years. When news broke that the U.S. government was working on a deal to bring home Americans detained in Russia, the family and representatives had hoped Google would be on that list and they were devastated to learn otherwise. Now, of course, the family is begging Biden to add him to that list. Such a shame. Ugh, all this politicizing of, of everything. Anyway, that's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. From We Talk news. Have a fabulous week. Adult use cannabis has been legal in Massachusetts for more than five years, but the industry is still in infancy in many ways. Well, this week, lawmakers approved significant changes to the state's booming industry, a move that has advocates and entrepreneurs rejoicing. We Talk News producer Tori Chamberlain breaks it all down in this week's Massachusetts report. Hey guys, so Massachusetts lawmakers passed some major changes this week to the Bay State's cannabis laws. And that may sound a little scary, but it's actually looking like these are gonna be good changes that the industry is welcoming with open arms. So what does it entail? First of all, the bill passed this week is going to crack down on those steep local fees that are charged to cannabis operators. This is going to be huge for small businesses. Many Massachusetts business owners say that they've dealt with a really difficult process to get approved at the municipal level. So this is going to cut down on how difficult that process is, open more doors for even more business owners. Additionally, there's simply not enough institutional financing right now to help certain applicants in the Bay State when they're looking to open a cannabis business. So this is just gonna make the barrier to entry a lot easier and it's gonna prevent a corporate takeover of cannabis across this state. Also, the new legislation is going to direct 15% of the state's excise tax 
from recreational sales into a fund for disenfranchised cannabis entrepreneurs. So these are people that may be affected by the things we just mentioned, tough barriers to entry, over-regulation or over-taxation. The state is now going to take 15% of all the money from the state excise tax and put that directly into a fund to help these entrepreneurs. So that's huge, especially for people of color who are looking to break into the industry. The bill is also going to make it easier to wipe cannabis convictions from someone's record. That's a good thing, right? And it's also going to green light a pilot program for cannabis cafes right here in Massachusetts, which is gonna make the Bay State uh, just the latest of a number of states that are looking to put cannabis lounges into their public spaces. So Governor Charlie Baker has signaled that he is going to sign this bill with all these changes to Massachusetts cannabis law. So hopefully we'll start to see the impacts of all of these tremendous changes. But for now, that's it from the Bay State this week. I'm Tori Chamberlain. Bay State Cannabis Report is supported by Holyoke Cannabis, Holyoke's finest cannabis recreational experience. It looks like the South could get a little greener. State election officials in Arkansas say a referendum to legalize recreational cannabis sales in the state has succeeded in submitting the necessary signatures to qualify the initiative for the November ballot. Meanwhile, voters in Missouri are looking to go beyond medical cannabis by adding adult use sales and consumption to their ballot. While the legislation has struggled to land its fair shot at a vote so far, a new study shows a strong, strong majority of Missouri voters, including Republicans, support legalizing the plant for adult use. Brandon Jones has the details in this week's Missouri Report. Hey everybody, it's Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven with the Missouri Cancer Report for Weed Talk News. And yes, it's voting very close to the August 9th deadline for all voting. The Secretary of State will close down to see if recreational will actually be passed here in the state of Missouri. Right now, we are seeing bipartisan support. Uh, it's about 70% Democrat support, about 50% Republican support, and basically basically uh, 60% overall average support in Missouri for legalizing recreational use marijuana. So all cannabis should be hopefully legal here in Missouri by November, we hope, at least be on the ballot. But the deadline is August 9th. There has been over 400,000 signatures already for the Legal Mo 2022 initiative. Um, right now, they're kind of different sides saying, um, we're miss, missing some uh, actual districts versus overall votes. So they're trying to get out in those two particular districts that are less than 1,500 votes short. So yes, we are seeing an overall want for recreational use here in the state of Missouri, but there is still just two districts that we're working on getting those signatures up. So if you're in those areas or not, please get out before August 9th, because that is the deadline. And like I said, there are a couple of other initiatives, but the legal, to legal Mo 22 has the most uh, backing behind it and over 400,000 signatures. So again, please, let's try to get Missouri cannabis out here. Let's get everybody to have recreational uh, access. So let's please uh, get out there, get your signatures done so we can get that August 9th deadline. Again, I'm Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven, Missouri Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Green means go in the Green Mountain State. The Vermont Cannabis Control Board has officially begun accepting applications for business retail licenses a month earlier than originally planned. That's good news for an industry that's looking to begin sales come October. Jesse Lynn Dolan has more on this week's Vermont Report. 
from Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses. And this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. Retail applications for the October 1st opening of retail sales have opened a month early and are now being accepted by the Cannabis Control Board. The Cannabis Control Board approved 20 more licenses this week and have officially hired their entire compliance team. They are working towards more inclusive language for product labeling mandates, suggesting use of human milk feeding and chest or breastfeeding as opposed to exclusionary breastfeeding only. Clean Green, the oldest and largest third-party certification for cannabis in the country, and Vermont Cannabis Nurses Association have teamed up to offer live, full-day bud tender and cannabis professional trainings in Vermont for the start of adult use sales. Sign up quick before they fill up. Stony Supper Club event series by Hot and Hetty commenced on August 6th with a cannabis-infused plant-based meal from Cocina Parata, featuring acclaimed canna chef Travis Limoges. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse and gangier, Jessie Lynn Dolan. And finally, cannabis makes cover history. Burner, the CEO of the popular Cookies brand, has landed the cover of Forbes magazine. The milestone makes him the very first cannabis CEO ever to have their face across the business magazine's front cover. In the issue, Burner discusses high taxes and strict regulations that have overburdened California's regulated cannabis market. And he also wrote online saying, quote, extremely humbled, and blessed to be one of the faces for federal legalization in our country. Even more humbled to land the cover of Forbes magazine, which is the dream of some of the largest CEOs in the world. Is this just the beginning of cannabis executives taking over business spaces? With the way things are trending, we can only expect to see more faces of the industry in mainstream life. After all, it is a whole new world of weed out there. So use it wisely. And for now, that is it for Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.